Veterans Path, helping veterans find peace, acceptance, transformation, and honor through practical tools like meditation and mindfulness, physical and outdoor experiences, and a community of camaraderie. I'm John McCaskill, a Navy SEAL commander turned mindfulness teacher. Here on the Veterans Path podcast, I interview veterans, athletes, corporate leaders, and many others who found peace through the practices of meditation and mindfulness, breaking down the stigma of pursuing mental health and making it a priority, improving and saving lives. All right, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, good day. I'm John McCaskill, and my guest today is Brenda Neckbottle. Brenda is a practicing human resource professional and business consultant. She has worked for five Fortune 500 companies, consulted to over 450 C-suite executives, and led the reformation of human resources infrastructure within 400 small businesses. In 2016, she became a volunteer as an executive coach with the Honor Foundation, establishing a solid reputation in the special operations community, and developed a deep understanding of the special operator mindset. She discovered that many operators did not possess basic business acumen upon exiting their naval career, and I can attest to that personally. In January 2017, she started Phase 2, a small 501c3 organization that provides pro bono business consulting and wellness support to the SEAL community. Her exposure to varying physical and neurological needs of these elite combat veterans allows her the opportunity to educate all veterans of their rights under the Americans with Disabilities Act post-military career, as well as alternative naturopathic treatments to Naval Special Warfare community. We're going to learn a lot more about Brenda, her work in human resources and in business consulting, and her work within the naturopathic treatment world. That's all here today in today's episode of the Veterans Path Podcast. But before we jump into the conversation with Brenda, I'll go ahead and stop right here for a quick plug for our sponsors. All right, welcome back. As mentioned in the intro, my guest today is human resources professional and business consultant, Brenda Neckbottle. Welcome to the show, Brenda. Hi. It's good to talk to you. Yeah, great to have you. For our listeners, thank you. Brenda and I have been friends for a while, and she's given me tons of business advice as well as health <laughs> advice. She's a she's a freaking rock star, and I'm very much looking Aww. forward to to further sharing what you do with our listeners. But before we get into any questions, uh, what I'm doing is I'm starting every show by letting our listeners know what we do at Veterans Path, and then why we're doing the show. So Veterans Path, we introduce veterans to meditation and mindfulness, typically in outdoor settings, so they can rediscover a sense of peace, acceptance, transformation, and honor. And that's where the word path, peace, acceptance, transformation, and honor, in our name comes from. And the point of this podcast is to make people more aware of what we do to increase support of and attendance at our retreats, while simultaneously reducing the stigma around reducing seeking mental health around seeking mental health support. Listeners can directly support Veterans Path by clicking on the support button on the podcast or by visiting veteranspath.org forward slash donate. Okay, that all said, go ahead and get into the questions. You heard me covering your your kind of bio there in the intro. Uh, Mm -hmm. I covered a little bit about your professional career, which we'll obviously get into here in a bit. But for our listeners, what else can you tell us about Brenda that's not in your bio? Oh, man, (laughs) you surprised me with that one, didn't you? (laughs) Uh, Well, let's see. You know, I've 
I have was a good thing that I can share with you guys. So I've taken on a zest for life and I, you know, I grew up, I grew up with an undiagnosed learning disability. Uh, it wasn't until I was 32 that I finally got a diagnosis that I was dyslexic and, uh, went from being a CDF student and graduated my back to school, graduated magna cum laude in my bachelor's degree nice. and continued on to get, thank you. And continued on to get my MBA and it was through that process that I developed a never quit mindset. And, and not as in, you know, like a David Goggins, you're going to crush it, monster beast <laughs> kind of mindset, stealing souls from people. That's not what I'm talking about. It's just everybody <laughs> <Boy>. kept, <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Everybody just kept telling me that I couldn't do something. And, and I'm like, well, why are you telling me I can't do it if you're out there doing it? It's like you're out there doing it. I should be able to do it. And, or it just, I always knew that in my gut, something wasn't right. And so, you know, even though I would get knocked down, um, you know, I'd feel pretty crappy about myself, but I still just, I just still plugged on and it wasn't like a desire to prove anybody wrong or anything. It was just like, no, that's what I want to do. And so what came from being, you know, a, a pretty tough, uh, uphill, climb came to the mindset that I have today. It's just like, look, you either have my back or get out of my way. And I love go. you, but that's, that's, that's it. <laughs> you know, I've got, I'm on my life mission and, you know, just buckle up, baby. <laughs> Here it comes. <laughs> I love it. Now, <laughs> you kind of know me, so that's very true. <laughs> I, I do. It is absolutely 100% true. Now, we're here in the Norfolk area. Did you grow up here? No, I didn't. I actually, I was born and raised in Erie, Pennsylvania. And um, I graduated high school in 89, do the math, and um, I went up and spent a year and a half in New England. Um, I went to Franklin Pierce College in my freshman year of school, and then I came back to Erie for about 11 months. And I moved out to Hawaii, and I lived out there uh, for about five years. My dad nice. grew up there mm -hmm. and spent five years, you know, really just being in your early 20s and being silly like you're supposed to, working. But that's where I got my first experience at a Fortune 500 company. I actually worked for Warner Brothers. What were you doing? And uh, I worked for the Warner Brothers Studio Store, and I was part of the team that actually opened up that store uh, down in Waikiki. And, you know, if anybody remembers back in the early 90s, we had all these theme stores. We had, like, the Disney store and the Budweiser store and the Harley-Davidson store, and, like, everybody had a theme store, and it was really cool. It was a lot of fun. But it gave me an insight, you know, just at a, as an associate to – really start understanding that retail touches every single element of business. And that's in between, you know, my grandfather, I worked at his store and he had a hardware store through the old Cotter and company, which was true value hardware. And we were the number one true value hardware store in the United States for 10 years because of our customer service and the philosophy that we had with that. So very valuable lessons that were taken away. Some, some harder lessons than others, but you know, all sure. in all, it was really good. Um, got tired of living on a rock in the middle of the Pacific, which happens sure and moved back fever. to the mainland. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> moved back to the mainland, uh, lived in the Chicagoland area of Wisconsin area for about 10 years. Uh, moved down. I've been in Virginia now for 14 years and I've been out here by the water, um, for about seven. And what, what brought you to this area? I don't like being landlocked <laughs> and, <laughs> and <laughs> 
But um, no, I always wanted to come out here. I came out here years ago um, on a weekend trip and fell in love with it. And I'm like, this is just, I just knew, I didn't know why. I just knew that this is where I was going. Yeah, so you don't like being landlocked and you don't like being surrounded by water. You like having options. <laughs> yes, so, exactly. There you go. <laughs> well, when you're on an island, things don't change very quickly. Sure. I mean, it's taken it's taken 20 some odd years for that town, you know, in, in Hawaii that I was living in to change. And I still know the same people sitting on the same bar stools over there. So <laughs> there's a lot of the changes, the things that just don't. Yeah. But. So as far as your getting into the human resources world, how did that mm -hmm. happen? So I've been in retail my my first real job actually was working at a dive shop. So I was 15 when I first started. And, um, you know, I just kind of stayed on that path because I, I knew how to get in. You know, I knew the, some of the disciplines. And long story short, um, I was working for a, a retail company that wound up closing down. I uh, filed Chapter 11 in 2000. And um, I was pretty wiped out. I was pretty spent, very burnt. I was a manager at the time, <clears throat> and, you know, my gift going into retail was is I can take a, a store that's not working and I can turn it around into a profitable organization again, a profitable unit. And uh, I can do that across, you know, a lot of lot of different avenues just because of, you know, the my past experience. I've been doing it for a while. Sure. But I was fried because I didn't, I didn't feel like I had a staff that, I mean, we got the job done, but I didn't have that kind of relationship with my staff that I really wanted to. And what I learned later on is that it was a lack of leadership. I was leading to a certain degree, but not leading is the way I really, I didn't see the outcome that I wanted. And uh, I had some, I wouldn't say that I had toxic employees, but I had some employees that, you know, it gets weird when you're shutting down a business. And so there was some weird I stuff that came up. Yeah. And I was, you know, when you have liquidators come in, their only thing that they're worried about is, um, you know, making their bonus. <clears throat> so, you know, I kind of, I got hung out to dry by a couple of my folks. And that's when I, I realized I, I'm just going to take a break. So when I did that, I started, I went to work for CarMax after I took a, you know, six month hiatus. I just needed to just stop. <laughs> and I um, went into CarMax, got a position there working in the business office and eventually, um, in a very short period of time, actually took over uh, what's called the management assistant role. And that was to do the HR function to a degree and support uh, the location general manager, who to this day is a very good friend of mine and one of my best mentors ever. And um, he saw that I was pretty edgy, very diamond in the rough. I mean, I was, I'm direct, but I was sharp and direct back then. And um, <laughs> I was pretty brutal <laughs> and, uh, you know, just, you know, where I grew up and how I grew up, I was just always very critical of people. And that's, that was a huge contributing factor to why I didn't have the kind of relationships with my employees that I wanted. And it's just, it was me. So, um, he, t he put me in the position. He's like, look, <clears throat> he said, the position's a mess. Um, I know you can turn this around and I know that the people here are going to be very happy about that. So I just took my customer service skills and I applied it to the workforce. And every payday I'd walk around, maybe we had 218, 220 employees at the time, and I'd walk around and I'd hand out paychecks and they loved it. But it also gave me an opportunity to hear what's going on and to hear like what kind of questions they had. And I'd you know, tell the LGM, I kind of 
you know, give them a temperature as to what's going on in the store. So it was a lot of fun. I didn't have a decision-making capability, so it's what I call a position of influence. And then that's really what turned me on to um, pursuing it because I enjoyed helping employees figure out their challenges. And now you run your own podcast discussing human resources, right? Can you tell us a little I bit do. about that? Yeah, absolutely. It's So the show is called The Best Practices in Human Resources. Um, it's on 11 different platforms. You'll know it when you see it because you just type in human resources as a search and it's the big pink block. Can't miss it. Pops right up. Um, and what I do is I actually do an episode every week and I talk about the what you need to do in human resources and how to go about doing that in a wide variety of way because you know, HR is a very wide net of a lot of different things that you have to do. Everything from your interpersonal skills to, you know, progressive development to, um, you know, benefits to now we're dealing with the coronavirus, right? So right. it's kind of scary. It's, it, it, it is a little bit scary. And, you know, there's a lot of questions. And as a matter of fact, I got contracted on, uh, on this 11th to actually uh, do a... Um, webinar by another company and speak on the coronavirus. It's either the 11th or the 6th. I want to say it's the 11th of March. And so, um, and there's a lot of questions. It's like, you know, well, what happens if my hourly employees get coronavirus? You know, what if they come in and, 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 you know, I need them here to do the work, but they can't come in because either family member is sick and they have to be quarantined or it. So there's a lot of questions and this is a very un, unprecedented, you know, place. So it takes all of that that culmination of knowledge to be able to put together and, and help people understand what their options are as a business. But yet also, look, we're in the human business. That's what I do. Um, and, you know, how do you also do what's in the best interest for your employees? And it's not easy. Sure. Those are, those are angles of the coronavirus. I, I'll be honest, I hadn't even thought about. So, mm -hmm. yeah, uh, very interesting to, to hear that piece. And then as far as you're being an executive coach and then specifically with the Honor Foundation, how did that come to be? Oh, I absolutely love doing this. So um, years ago, I was down in Raleigh, North Carolina at a show doing something. And I got introduced to a guy from an organization. I couldn't even tell you what the name was now. But I was presented. It's like, yeah, she's an HR pro. You might you know, have some use for her. And <laughs> well, that's saucy. And, uh, and they said, <laughs> they said no, 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 no. They said, we act, I know, right? It's a little HR neutral moment there. Um, we don't want to turn it into a liberty incident. But um, so we were chatting about it, and they said, well, we actually do soft transition for special ops. And a lot of the clients that I had at the time when I was working for ADP uh, up in the Northern Virginia area, a lot of them had a soft background. Actually, majority of them, actually, almost all of them were really? Army Rangers. Yeah. Army Rangers. So I had quite a few of them that were up there and I just, I get along very well with them because I'm a straight shooter and I don't, I'm not the fluffy HR person. And it's like, well, you know, and the, you know, that kind of approach. It's just like, look, here's, here's what's going on. And you know, here it, business owners don't like to hear, no, you can't do that. Um, sometimes you have to say it that direct, but most of the time it's like, okay, well, here are your options. And my thinking is this may be your best one. What do you think? And it's a totally different approach to consulting. And that's what that's what business, that's what leaders want to hear. They want to hear what their options are so they can make the right decision. 
And they don't right. want to hear no that they can't do because they're going to get frustrated because all you're doing, it's like a mouse at the end of a, of a maze and there's no cheese. <laughs> you know, then they have to turn around and backtrack. And it's just that's time consuming. So, um, you know, but with their directness, it just I, you know, I they're like, yeah, this is great. So it resonated with me to be able to contribute my time to helping people do resumes and possibly some mock interviews and answer questions about, you know, getting a job and whatnot. And um, so I came back to the Hampton area and made a couple of phone calls and I never heard from them again. So it always stuck with me. And then when I had a career change, I thought, okay, I'm going to do this. But something told me in my gut, and I always listen to my gut, go with the seals. That's basically what it said. And I didn't know exactly what that meant. So I reached out to a uh, a network, Naval Seal, Navy SEAL Foundation, and they got me connected to uh, the Honor Foundation. And I have been with the Honor Foundation for four years this month. Nice. And, and I'm yeah. currently in the Honor Foundation and learning all yes, about you the, are. the value of networking and how powerful that is. And you are a prime example of, of that very thing right there. So. Thank you. Um, yeah, it's a lot of fun. I absolutely love it. Just So I've met some amazing people amazing human beings out of that and just i just love the community yeah no i absolutely agree and, and I, I owe a lot of where i am to that community and i owe a lot um for where my family is to that community mm -hmm. not not just not just inside the the seal teams and special operations but the navy seal foundation and uh yeah, I'm, I'm uh definitely i've benefited from being connected with them so mm -hmm. um as far as mental health um, with transitioning veterans, have, have you seen those who seek mental health support while on the inside in your human resources background or potentially as a coach or wherever, maybe wherever you were, have you seen where those who seek mental health support, that becomes a hindrance to them getting hired on the outside? So I can answer that in a couple of different ways. So one, yeah, it, it can, um, you know, granted I, you know, I exist in a community that has that same attitude that I do that never, you know, don't give up, never quit attitude. Right. So, um, so I can speak specifically from being in the soft community and then I can speak as being, you know, in the HR seat as an employer or representing an employer with individuals that have had some form of TBI, PTSD, uh, you know, situation. So I'll tackle it from the inside and then work out. How's that? Perfect. That sounds great. So, yeah. So in this community of special ops, uh, SEALs, I'm way more familiar with what goes on in the SEAL community than I am, you know, uh, para ranger, you know, not para ranger. Oh my gosh. I mixed them <laughs> two together. Help me. Uh, Rangers or special forces. PJs. Yeah, the Thank other. you. Wow. Yep. I just made a whole new unit. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, there's my dyslexia popping right out there. I make, I create new things that people have never even heard of, including myself. But, um, you know, I'm, I'm, well, I'm way more connected and have a deeper understanding of what goes on in Naval Special Warfare than I do anything else. And so, um, what I see with TBI, and there's a couple of patterns with some individuals um, that I've seen to where there are some challenges, like their TBI is so big 
And what I mean by that, when I say big, it's like if you were to look at a, a scan um, and you look at the white spots on the scan, which is that dead matter, their, their TVI is clustered so you have larger spots and more of them, and they're kind of connecting with each other. So those guys, when it comes to – there's a couple specifically that I can think of that when you tell them to do something, they go, okay, great. But there's just something that doesn't connect. And either what they say they were going to do doesn't get done or they just it just doesn't resonate in the way that you need it to. Does that make sense? Absolutely, it does. Yeah. So for those individuals, incredibly brilliant men, certainly, uh, you know, have the mileage of battle that they've, they've been through. And so when you have a corporation that had they not known that this individual has the type of TBI that they do or traumatic brain injury that they do, that's not some, I mean, they'd have to be very patient to trust that individual to do high level work and being compensated at $80,000 a year minimum. Right. Yep. So that's a challenge for employers because they want to be veteran friendly. They want to do the right thing. Like they want to put people in, but um, not everybody is compassionate when it comes to getting something done and people go from being understanding, compassionate to all of a sudden they're being critical and they forget that some of the people that they're working with, like everybody's got something in this world, right? We all, it isn't a person in here that's perfect. Yeah. And we all have some Thankfully. tick. Yeah. We all have some tick quirk, whatever. And I mean, I'm dyslexic. I have problems with numbers specifically. You guys have already heard me say something funny. So my threes, my sixes, and my eights, they all look the same to me. And I transpose numbers. I transpose words. I, somebody says the word, you're going to laugh when I tell you this. Somebody <laughs> says the word success, and it takes me a second to hear it because I only hear half of that word. And to me, it sounds like sex. So oh, it's no just... Uh, yeah. Oh, so like I heard somebody say like something about success and then all I hear is something about sex. And I'm like, they just totally didn't say that, did they? <laughs> it takes me a second <laughs> to figure it out. So, um, you know, but that's just that's how I process information. And, and I've learned how to manage it. But um, so it doesn't manage me. But, you know, TBI is something different. You don't realize that that is occurring. And so therefore it doesn't necessarily manage you per se. But there is a distinct disconnection that takes place where performance, you have to put that person in the right position in order for their talents to come out. Because not only do each of us have a quirk, a tick, and something unique about us, we also have our talents. And that's what employers really need to be encouraged if they want to bring in a veteran, especially a veteran they don't always know what a veteran has. And not to mention under the American with Disabilities Act, people who are applying for a job, and for those of you who are listening, you're not obligated under any circumstances to share what is going on with you. Absolutely not. You don't have to tell, like, I don't have to tell an employer that I'm dyslexic. Well, that's, that's important to know. And that kind of lends itself yes. to the, the kind of the next question that I have is, have, have you seen those who seek mental health support um, on the inside, and somehow it becomes known, and not so much the TBI piece, because I know, uh, you know, um, extreme TBIs, as you were mentioning, that, that mm -hmm. can be a kind of a unique case. But, you know, 
if I'm going to see the doc about uh, depression or anxiety or stress, um, have you seen members where that's what they're seeking is support in those kind of cases where they are discriminated against one? And if so, what is the recourse as a former service member or as a transitioning service member um, against the potential employer for that for that discrimination? Do you know that? So I have never seen it myself to where somebody has been discriminated against. Um, I have never even seen it with my clients because most of my clients were federal contractors. And so, you know, they come from those backgrounds in order to make stuff work. So everybody just kind of knew or knows that somebody's got this or that, right? And they all figure it out because they come from that same military community. And where I've seen uh, the potential for discrimination to take place is, again, Going back to um, people that don't come from the from the community and military community specifically, to where they just don't have a level of comprehension. You know, they may be supporters. You know, like thank you for your service. Uh, they donate to the USO or you know or something like that, and they think it's great. But what they don't really they don't they've never lived through the experience of having somebody who's come back from battle and or you know. Um, overseas or deployment to where it was pretty tough and they don't understand the process of separation. And, you know, unlike with your community and the SEAL community, you know, there's a big investment that's made in developing somebody to serve as a special operator. Right. And yeah, so that therefore that investment needs to be nurtured, which means that you guys tend to get your decompression and you get treatment faster because they got to turn you guys right around. It's a small niche community. And so therefore you guys got to get back, got to get back into the play and get back into the game again. So, but in conventional military, um, they don't always get that rapid attention. And so some things can fall to the wayside. Therefore people who have never been exposed to the military, they don't understand that. They don't understand that process. And not that they're not compassionate about it, but there's just something that they don't make that connection. And so that's where the risk lies is they just don't understand it. And they only have so much tolerance for things that they don't understand. And you know, as well as I do that, you know, things tend to go South because people that don't understand things usually have some level of fear surrounding it. So, you know, it's just kind of, it just builds. And that's just the nature of a human being. Sure. But when it comes to the, uh, to the American with Disabilities Act, is that if you were to read the preamble to the ADA, <clears throat> short version American with Disabilities Act, you read the preamble, it will absolutely, and I've never seen this in any live or read, but in the preamble, it's like if for any reason you have, feel that you have been discriminated, it actually tells you where you can go to get assistance. And, and the government's very serious about this, and you just don't want to mess around. You don't want to violate the American with Disabilities Act. So, you know, not only do employees uh, don't have to say anything, but they're at some point in time. So, like, I have had employees who are veterans, and some of them do have, you know, they're on medication or they do seek, you know, psychological treatment. But at some point in time, if their treatment starts to create an absenteeism issue, but you don't really know what it is, you have to have some form of open dialogue. And it really should sound like, okay, so I noticed that, you know, you've been requesting out quite a bit. Um, 
can help me understand, help me understand why. And, you know, because I want to be able to figure out how you can get the support you need, but yet at the same time, you know, make sure that your privacy is protected. And when you have that kind of conversation with somebody, you're engaging in an open dialogue. You're, you're engaging in a mutual conversation that is intended to benefit both the employee and the employer, but it also it's what requires is required to mitigate risk uh, for the employer under the American with Disabilities Act to demonstrate that they are doing everything that they can, number one, first and foremost, to support their employee, but yet they're not in violation of the law. Because at some point in time, if the situation is severe, when you have somebody who has a severe uh, psychological challenge, a business has to ask the question, how long can we do this? And it's, and like I tell my, you know, clients, I'm like, when you're in an ADA scenario, you're in this for the long haul. This is, this is not a quick turnaround. This is not a fast resolution. You, you know, it, it, it may seem like we're not moving at all. You may have to wait 15 days for a document and, you know, that's time and time is money, but you know, that's just the nature of business and people need to keep their eye on the ball, but yet at the same time they have to do what's right. So it can get frustrating on everybody's part. Right. And that's, yeah, that's exactly what I was about to say on everybody's part. Yeah, so, it is. Uh, yeah. It's not I easy. I totally see that. So I want to shift yeah. gears kind of into the other piece of what we've talked about you're doing uh, in that you've been out there educating veterans regarding those naturopathic mm -hmm. treatments. One, how and where are you doing that? And then two, what are some of the treatments you educate vets on? So where I do it is here in Norfolk, and it's in a place called Renova Wellness Center. You've been there. Um, I have. It's a, yep. You have. <clears throat> um, it's, a, it's a really awesome facility that has a combination of things such as uh, massage. They've got acupuncture. There's a hyperbaric chamber that's over there. Um, which is, you know, a hotly contested yet very successful form of treatment. Um, and then we also have float tanks. Um, there's electromagnetic therapy that's there. There's a couple other new things that are in there, plus uh, a system that's called Zydoevox. And um, that's a pretty cool system. But the float tank is one of the first things that I explain people. I said, I think you should, you know, jump in and do a float for about, a, you know, 30 minutes or an hour. And what the float tank is, is it's a a pod, if you will, like a big clamshell. And the water is, matches the temperature of your body. And it is the, the so the, the salinity of the water is the same as the dead. It's actually greater than the Dead Sea. It's 700 pounds of Epsom salt. And when you float in it, <clears throat> you can float with the lights on, you can float with music on or off, either one. Um, but it is to help reset some of your synapses so that way your sleep patterns get better and then all the while it's a it's a way of decompression so it's a very calming very soothing thing um even if you have claustrophobia you know you can just leave the lights on and keep your eyes open and uh, it's meant to just completely reset your system and so on top of it you also are absorbing all of that healing mineral into your muscles so it's pushing out lactic acid it's pushing out you know a lot of the stressors and and you're you're physically relaxed which also helps and i usually fall asleep <laughs> <laughs> yep. i knock out for about 40 minutes you can't drown in it because even if you were trying you know to face over and go face down it flips you right back up 
just your natural form of buoyancy won't permit you to do that. It'll actually upright you. So that's interesting. It's pretty interesting. Yeah, it is. It's pretty interesting. And then um, the Beamer mat, which is the electromagnetic therapy. um, What that does is that you lay on this mat. It's an FDA approved product. It was actually one of the pieces of technology that was built by NASA. And it sends pulses into your system, into your body. You don't, well, some people have felt it, um, <clears throat> but um, it opens up your vascular structure right down to your microvessels and your and your capillaries. So I know when it's working because all of a sudden my capillaries and my nose and my nasal passage like really opens up and it's like all of a sudden it smells like spring in the room. So uh, that's pretty awesome. And then the Zytoevox, which, you know, I've shared with you is actually a way it is using galvanic technology to actually read your bio system. So like, you know, biometric passes where you put your finger and it opens a door or it unlocks a computer, same kind of thing. And then what this does is it actually identifies what parts of your body are operating a little bit more than they should, or a little bit less. And then if you combine it with the Evox and the Evox just basically uses that same biometric data to identify frequencies in your body. So like everything has a frequency, right? But all the way from your socks to your water in your glass to the thoughts, everything's measurable. Everything in this plant has a frequency of some sort. And so what this does is that it helps identify where your emotional triggers are as it relates to certain parts of your body, because your organs retain that emotional memory, it retains that emotional stress. And so um, it just gives you an opportunity at the subconscious level to identify essentially what's still on your mind that's impacting your body. And then when you simply acknowledge it, it has a tendency to kind of resolve that. And that's the best way that I can put that. So it's pretty cool. And I've I've used it for a lot of trauma in my life, and I just don't have those issues anymore. Nice. And it is, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> when I went in there to, to do that with you, I, I'll, I'll, I'll be honest, it, was, it seemed a little woo-woo, but, uh, so, you know, so did uh, meditation when I first started mm-hmm. doing it and when I started speaking with people. So, um, yeah. yeah, who knows? As far as yeah. the, the flow tanks, you mentioned it being a decompression, uh, and that's, you know, physically and mentally in that mm-hmm. it, it takes that stress off your, your joints, your bones. Um, in that it's left, lifting you up, but it's also decompressing for the mind. I mean, because you can, while yes. you're in there, meditate. And that's, that was my next question. Is, is meditation ever mentioned uh, where you are as, as a, a healing modality for anyone that's coming in there with mm-hmm. PTSD or depression or anxiety or stress or, or anything of that sort? Yeah, absolutely. So um, in that building is also the Veterans Wellness Center of Hampton Roads, and I sit on the board of that, and it's run by a retired Navy SEAL. His name is Nick Baggett, <clears throat> and oh, that's yeah. one of the elements. Nick. You know Nikki, yeah. yeah. So he's he's brought in uh, meditation as part of that program. Oh, that's and, um Yeah, it is, and he does it. Now, I can't meditate because I fall asleep. <laughs> no, that's not true. That's not true. I well, do. I'm going to have to work right with you, out. Brenda. I'm going to have to show you that you can, in fact, meditate. <laughs> I'm apparently not doing it the right way. I, you know, I, I probably become like a Vulcan or something like going into a deep <laughs> trance. But I just, you know, I actually, I've tried it many times and I fall asleep. So, um, it, yeah. So I, apparently I just haven't gotten the right coaching. But, um, we'll but you, you know, 
<laughs> but you know, it's yeah, meditation is something great. And you know, and it's all about it's all about remembering to what you're doing with the parasympathetic and the sympathetic system. And you know, the more you can activate your sympathetic system and not be in that fight or flight mode, that's what all of these things treat. And and it helps with PTSD and it helps with TBI because, and it just helps with general anxiety too. You know, I grew up in an environment where I was constantly being evaluated and judged. You know, like I said, I didn't have a lot of people that supported what I wanted to do. In fact, they pushed back all the time. And that meant I was in a constant state of anxiety. So, um, you know, I was always fight or flight, always. Right. And yeah, I think, I think you meant activating the parasympathetic nerve parasympathetic nervous system in that Did way. Did I say bring, it backwards? Yeah, all, all good though. Um, so bringing your heart rate down, kind of taking right. that, uh, the fight or flight response out of the equation. Mm -hmm. But yes, right. uh, absolutely. And that's, you know, that's one of the big things about the mindfulness piece, not so much the meditation or in addition to the meditation, rather the mindfulness piece you can do anywhere, anytime, you know, focusing on your breath, slowing your breath down, focusing on your breathing out rather than your breathing in. Mm -hmm. As you breathe out, you tap into the parasympathetic nervous system and the vagus nerve and really help to slow your heart rate down, bring, bring your blood pressure down. There's a, yeah, absolutely. Uh, that's, that's a super important piece to, to the mindfulness side uh, mm -hmm. or the benefits thereof. Um, so what else is, is offered there at, at Renova um, that, that our veterans here locally in the in the Norfolk area can tap into. So there's also a, a fitness center that's there. Um, the physician, the naturopathic uh, doc, her name is Dr. Deb Coxwood. She's awesome lady. Um, she's got a, she's got way more, <laughs> way more stuff that can be offered. Um, there's actually a whole reset program that somebody can come in. And, um, you know, they can get a Zyto scan and start really mapping out what direction their bodies are telling them that they need to go into to help get that necessary relief. And it's really nice because, you know, your body is actually putting together a map for you. That's what's so neat about this. There's no guessing game to it. Like, so, you know, you know, when you're stressed, everybody knows when they're stressed out or we know when something's bugging us and we just can't shake it. This actually has the ability to help you identify a uh, root cause of that. Maybe, maybe it's not so much that particular instant, but if you're stressed, it can help pinpoint where in your body it is, you know, making that, that happen. One of the, so when I told you I, you know, lived with constant anxiety, one of the things that progressively happened for me is that I had a highly overactive thyroid. You know, my thyroid gland was the size of a perch. Uh, by 2007. And every day, I mean, I lived every day for 10 years silently because I didn't let it show. I felt like I was going to die every time I had a physical induced anxiety attack. It wasn't the mental side of it. It was just, I had too much of the, th of the hormone coursing through my system, had that sure. reduced and all of a sudden, I'm like, oh, thank God, <laughs> you know, I feel normal finally. This is what it felt like to dream of. It. So, um, you know, but it does. It just, it, you know, it churns up a lot of stuff. And when you're constantly under that feeling, um, 
you know, you, you just don't have clarity. You just don't feel right. You don't sleep well. It impacts your relationships. And, you know, it's not even for something like that, you know, had I gone in to seek counseling for it, guarantee you, guarantee you, it would never have been linked to my thyroid. Oh, yeah. I would have just, no doubt. Yeah. Right. So, you know, not all stresses and not all conditions are created, you know, from the mental side of things. This was a physiological thing. And I'll be honest with you, my teammates that I worked with at the time were not very empathetic to that whatsoever. They just saw it as a constant excuse. And for three years, I worked in a toxic environment. So I know exactly what that feels like. And it's hell. It's absolute hell, right? To the point where one day I had chest pains. I'm like, okay, I really need to do something about this. And, uh, and that's when I just kind of started putting up different mental and emotional defenses. Yeah, that's, that's a great point. That's something that we did not talk about before is what can those who have mental health challenges when they do start working outside of the military or even in the military mm-hmm. that, uh, for that matter, what kind of defense mechanisms can they employ to help themselves feel like they fit in and aren't ostracized uh, by their, their coworkers? So there's going to be, I'd be honest with you, there's gonna be only going to be so much because here's the deal. You're talking about, like, we'll use me as an example. So I worked, this was when I worked for a Fortune 500 company at the time. Um, and it was a good company, but, you know, the culture of the organization as a whole, very tolerant. The subculture of the team that I worked with, they had been together for a very long time. So it was a click in and of itself. And on the surface, when I first came in, they had very, very high hopes for me. But I came from a different part of the company with a completely different culture on top of having this challenge. and. I immediately went from being this high valued where we're so excited about having this person here because they can help us shed light as to what's going on in this area of the business to I was struggling with the learning piece of it because everybody was assuming that I knew what was going on because we all work for the same company, right? But what they didn't realize and other people that I talked to that went from one area of the business to the next had exactly the same challenge that I did. And that is, you know, we need time to adapt to this new culture. This is all a new team with new dynamics. When you come from the part of the business that I was in, you don't do anything without permission. And then I go into a part of the business where they're actually developing new things where permission isn't always sought out. It's ask for forgiveness later if needed, because if it's a great idea, it's going to go through. So, you know, I didn't really have a transition mentor. I didn't have somebody that showed me the ropes. It was, you know, Brenda's traditional, well, dump her in, <laughs> throw her in the deep end, let her go. She'll be fine, you know? And so, um, so it is hard. So, uh, you know, Janie Livesay, who's the program director of the Virginia Beach campus of the Honor Foundation, she's going to be on my show soon on the podcast. And we're going to be talking about, you know, what's it like hiring an elite warrior because elite warriors have very specific needs and not like they're needy, but they need people who understand where they're coming from. (laughs) Yes. You big prima donna, you (laughs) No, I think they, but, but when you're, you know, like when you're out seeking for a job, you know, you're coming from a very high level of operation where our, your 100% 
is everybody else is 125 out in the real world. And to have you guys drop down to our 100% of, you know, op tempo is your 75. And so there's that feeling of less than. And so, um, but not everybody in the military has that same need. So you really have to take the person into consideration. I've, I've interviewed many people from the military on a federal contract uh, for a federal contract, I should say. And this one gentleman looked great on paper, absolutely fantastic on paper. When I started talking to him, I immediately picked up huge self-confidence issues, massive self-confidence issues. He's a, you know, retired 22 year, uh, master chief. And this is an individual who should have the leadership skills necessary in order to do the kind of job that we needed to, to be done but no self-confidence whatsoever. And it's like, this is not a good fit. And I kept thinking, it's like, what else could we possibly use him for? But his skills matched. And then, you know, he wanted a $85,000 a year job. And it's like, this is, I, I just, I don't have a place for him. You know, that's ultimately where it came down to. I have, I have nowhere to plug this guy into and, and I wish I could. And, but he, towards the end of the process really kind of opened up and he carried a lot of baggage with it. He just, it didn't matter where he went. He was going to have to deal with that someday. And he really needed to have an empathetic employer that would really bend over far backwards. than I think a lot of employers would consider doing and, and not that I'm saying that in a bad way, he just needed that level of attention. Right. Right. So, and, and that's a hard thing. That's a very hard thing for anybody to experience. Hey, Brenda, this is, uh, we're kind of getting close to the end of the show here. What have we not discussed that you want to make sure our listeners take away from today's episode? Um, I think the big thing is, is that just know that there are options. You know, if you are in transition or if you have transitioned, there are options. And you know what? I, I, I've said this before to some uh, to some veterans and I get the chef that, Oh yeah, right. Whatever. That's not what I see, but you got to open your mind up. It's a, this is a two way relationship and you have to be workable. If you want, if there's a specific kind of job that you want, then you have to be workable in order to get it. And it is, it's uncomfortable and you're going outside of the dots and you're going outside of what you feel is reasonable, but you know, there are good employers out there. And you know what? The other thing is, is like, know what your rights are under the affordable, uh, affordable care act. Oh my gosh. American <laughs> with disabilities. Act. Listen to me. All these dang, dang acronyms. <laughs> I don't know. But, um, under the American with disabilities act, you know, know what, know what you can and can't do and know what your employer can and can't do. But remember, the best relationships happen when you when you meet each other in the middle of the table and you're willing to have conversations. And, uh, you know, it's everybody's got their share of challenges. And, you know, there are resources out there for you to help understand what those things are. So, you know, look up the affordable, uh, <laughs> did it again, look up American with Disabilities <laughs> Act and, you know, read what it read, what it says. And, and there's a ton of information out there call the toll-free number and you can even, you know, talk to folks in the Department of Labor and they'll help you understand that stuff out. So you guys just know that you have options. Or they could reach out to you. And, and if they wanted to reach out to you, how would people do that? Best place to reach out to me is actually um, on my website. It's called, it's uh, bestpractices.work, W-R-K. Okay. And um, 
Yep, there's a way that you can actually fill out a form and contact me there. I'm also on social media, so you can find me uh, first and foremost on Instagram and uh, two sites, actually. One is Best Practices in HR, and then the other one is Brenda the HR Lady, which is probably a lot easier to remember. You guys can always send me an instant message there. I'm over on Facebook um, under Best Practices in HR. Uh, LinkedIn is Brenda Neckbottle, and you know the last name is spelled N-E-C-K, like the thing you want to choke. V as in Victor, A-T-A-L. <laughs> I love it's easy to out. remember. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> I'm the only one in the country, promise you. You can find yeah, me. <laughs> there you go. N-E-C-K, like the thing you want to choke, bottle, V-A-T-A-L. V-A-T-A-L. There you go. Well, Brenda, as always, this has been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Uh, no, yeah, thanks for we'll, having me. We'll wrap it up right there with the uh, with the neck that you want to choke. So thanks, uh, <laughs> thanks again. That's awesome. Uh, for our thanks. listeners, thanks for uh, thanks for listening to the show. Please check out Veterans Path online at veteranspath.org. And we too are on social media. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn. Twitter and YouTube. And if you're enjoying the podcast, please hit the subscribe button and share it with your friends and families and uh, maybe give us a review. And remember, listeners, you can directly support Veterans Path by clicking on the support button on the podcast or by visiting veteranspath.org forward slash donate. Thank you all and have a blessed day. We hope you've enjoyed today's episode of Veterans Path Podcast. Please follow us on social media and think about sharing your story with us there and potentially on the show. Together, we can make mental health a priority, improving and saving lives.